0: Another edition of beat the closing number presented by the lines.com. You can follow us on X, Twitter, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it at the lines US. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. You can follow Mo Noara, two W's at Mo Nuara. And we are breaking down NFL week 13 odds. If you missed our bets in week 12 or throughout the season, first time checking out beat the closing number. We're 29 and 14 with spreads and totals this season. If you miss any of our bets in real time, be sure to check out our Discord channel. The link is over at lines.com in the top right-hand corner. With that said, Mo, first show since Thanksgiving. So what wound up being your favorite food? Cake?
1: <laughs> I went what? for the sweets. I don't know, man. It was some cake my sister made, and it was masterful.
0: Masterful? Multiple,
1: yeah, multiple layers. Looked like it Looked like somebody bought it from a bakery, but she made it. So was that higher on the list than your typical pie? It was the strongest dessert present, I believe, at our... The
0: desserts were a little bit down this year, I'm going to be honest. Yikes. Yikes. Well, I'm glad you got one in that you really liked. Mine was brisket. I forgot how much I liked the brisket that my future in-laws made, and pretty good. Actually higher than turkey for me, which... I was surprised about, but then I forgot that I said the same thing last year. So, oh, well. But as we break down our bets or just some line movement, significant line movement that we're seeing with Thursday Night Football and the like in Week 13, if you're planning on betting, NFL Week 13 action, first-time users with BetMGM Sportsbook can use promo code, the lines, one word, to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, that's the lines, one word, Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. Mo, how did your Week 12 bets go?
1: They were okay. I made a little bit, uh, mostly because of Thanksgiving. I think small loss on uh, Sunday, but Thanksgiving was good. Uh, I had a bunch on Packers.
0: Yeah, I did well on Thanksgiving too. I didn't bet the Packers, but we gave that out on the show. I was just a little bit concerned about injuries, and they got variants with turnovers, but still, Jordan Love was able to dissect that line secondary. I ended up playing the 49ers, and that was a sweat-free game. I didn't realize how hard it would be to watch NFL football. That's redundant, but watch Thanksgiving games with a family that didn't really watch the NFL. I still thought I'd be able to find a way to get the game on TV while we were chilling on the couch, or at least a few of us were chilling, but... I got some sass for trying to put on the NFL, man. What gives on Thanksgiving? What's the alternative? No TV It just talking.
1: Yeah. I thought maybe they were one of those families that puts on, uh, Die Hard or whatever and get <laughs> starts the Christmas season, but, uh,
0: no, 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 uh, no, no Die Hard movies, no, any sort of Christmas movies, no Thanksgiving films being shown, just no, nothing. Terrible. It was a rough Thanksgiving night for me trying to finagle putting the game out on my phone, even, which was tough, but wasn't a lot to watch outside of the Packers. Yeah, that's true. Commanders got blitzed in the second half by Dallas. We'll talk about the Cowboys Seahawks Thursday night football game here in a second, and then 49ers dominating Seattle and probably should have won the game by more. As the Seahawks alone touchdown came on a pick six to begin the third quarter. But if you want to give the video a thumbs up because you like football and you watched the NFL on Thanksgiving, you didn't have to deal with any sort of mean comments from your future family or your family at the moment, you can give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever we release NFL betting videos like this one, beat the closing number or NBA, college football, Brett Gibbons and Kelly Ford will have you covered during the college football playoff, along with all the bowl games and college basketball as well. New episode of Outside Chats coming up later in the week. So Mo, first up, we have Thursday Night Football with the Seahawks and Cowboys. This line is up from Dallas minus six and a half. It opened under the key number of seven, juiced albeit, but still, and now it's up to minus nine, minus 110 at some shops, with a total of 46 and a half. Any initial thoughts for this game? I thought the look ahead was a little too short. I think we started with a
1: six and a half. I was a little higher on Dallas than that, which surprised me. Um, but I kind of think it's maybe gone a little too far now. But then I just look at the way the Seahawks play. I don't know. They just, they run the ball so much and they're just like, they're such a low ceiling team. I mean, they just can't stop good offenses and they can't really move the ball on good defenses either. So it's really tough when they step up in class and you just have Geno Smith who I've said it all year. If you get in his face, he can really crumble both with his decision making and with some of his errant throws and You see that with his PFF grade. Losing 30 points of PFF grade under pressure. That is a ton. And a Dallas team that, you know, does bring the heat about as good as anybody. And just, it just looks like maybe a mismatch up front on both sides of the ball, to be honest. Yeah, Dallas. Man, Jason Peters is out there playing tackle for the Seahawks. That's just a rough situation, man. I mean... This guy should be on his couch, getting ready to collect his pension checks, whatever they send you. But
0: <laughs> ARP in the near future.
1: Yeah, I, I mean he's just being beaten like a drum. The Seahawks line is just a disaster. I don't know, man. If they can't protect Geno, it could get out of hand. We see what keeps happening when this team faces quality teams like the Niners. Hasn't been good in the last couple seasons. I think I'm pretty much out on the Seahawks, to be honest, but
0: um, I don't know, man.
1: Nine, nine and a half does seem a little bit too high.
0: It may be a little bit inflated, but I'm with you. There's no shot. Maybe if it, I I don't even know if I could touch it, if it gets over 10, to be honest. To the point that you brought up, Geno Smith under pressure A, and the Seahawks have such a poor third down conversion rate, I believe the lowest in the NFL, so Dallas- and their ability to get after the quarterback, likely going to put you in a lot of third and longs. They've been dominating bad teams, as you touched on, the Seahawks 6-5 and by a negative 20-point differential. So probably have gotten the benefit of positive variance, and we've touched on that throughout the season. Their offense outperforming expectations along with their defense, especially when they go up against upper echelon offenses. Even Washington, Sam Howell, was able to Carve them up to an extent. Kenneth Walker, unlikely to play. That's what it seems like after missing practice or what would have been practice on Monday, the Seahawks number one running back. And Zach Charbonnet, even though he's semi talented, I guess, depending on what kind of level or what kind of grade you gave him coming out of the draft, he's forced the third fewest tackles per touch among qualified running backs, only ahead of Austin Eckler, believe it or not, and Kareem Hunt. For Seattle to hang around in this game, you got to shorten the clock and you got to keep Dallas off the field. If Charbonnet can't do that, probably not going to happen and you're not going to be able to get out of third and long situations either. And by the way, Dak Prescott tied with Lamar Jackson at FanDuel at least for the third shortest NFL MVP odds. Remember, he was 40-1 to a few weeks ago. Dallas has the Seahawks, the Eagles, and the Bills in their next three games. If Dallas wins... Those three, all three, Prescott's probably the favorite to win MVP. Any quick takes on that?
1: I I did think that his MVP odds were a little bit too long a few weeks ago when they were hanging around twenty five thirty to one, just with Dallas's upcoming schedule. But I I don't know if the voters are going to want to give Dak a whole lot of credit. But at the same time, I mean, this MVP race has. Pretty much been, it, it's pretty much just been as unexciting as it gets, to be honest. I, I mean, nobody's separating themselves. Nobody's putting up the type of tape and play that would put their stamp on the race, honestly, other than maybe Josh Allen, who was about as good as a quarterback can be the other day against Philly. But when your team is six and six, I mean, you're just not going to get any traction in, in any kind of awards markets. Maybe rightfully so. I don't know if how much of it, you know, can be put on Josh Allen, but yeah, this, this is a little bit reminding me of, of last year's race, actually, where I mean, Patrick Mahomes won, but I don't even think it was like one of the best seasons he's ever had or anything like that. But other players just weren't playing well enough to, to make a case that they would be better than the best quarterback on the best, you know, playing for the best team so that's what it's looking like with Philly right now with Jalen Hurts which maybe is going to end up with him winning in the same way Patrick Mahomes did although I I use the words best much more loosely in this case (laughs) I don't think the Eagles are maybe even a top three team to be honest I don't think they deserve to win their last two games so Uh, but at the end of the day, when your team wins this many games, you know, the voters are just going to give you a lot of credit, especially if you're playing well, which, you know, he's playing well overall, especially by the standards of offense in 2023. But I think there's plenty of better quarterbacks out there like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes. But when your team's 10 and one, I think it just
0: gives you such a head start. And to your point about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, And just what the market thinks of them, we'll break down Eagles 49ers more on Thursday. I know you have a good number on the look ahead, which definitely want you to share that in a second. But the Eagles, as you alluded to, underdogs against San Francisco. And since 2004, teams that are 10 and 1 or better as home dogs have gone 1 and 2 straight up, 1 and 2 against the number. Small sample size, but that shows you that the market typically, or in a very small vacuum, isn't that off. And I know when maybe the novice better looks at that line and says, how is Philly a two and a half point dog to San Francisco with only one loss? Well, how they played over the last couple of games probably should have lost to Buffalo, as you mentioned, and Jalen hurts heck of a comeback. Philly has been phenomenal in a negative game script, which was a question mark for them. I remember we talked about that a time, Last year on Beat the Closing Number. But you look at the three previous games with one loss teams as a home dog. It was Kansas City against the Chargers. And it was a backup in Week 17 in 2020, starting for the Chiefs. Week 17 in 2011. So those were the final games of those respective seasons. Packers having a backup quarterback. Probably Matt Flynn, I'm guessing, as a a six-and-a-half-point dog. Against the Lions, they won that game outright. That had to have been Matt Flynn. He's
1: either That was for... the famous Matt Flynn contract game, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then the AFC championship game with the Steelers, a two and a half point dog with Big Ben against the Patriots. No, maybe that wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. Because I think that so. was, it was Roethlisberger. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking Ben was a rookie in 2005. I may be off on that one, but the Patriots winning that game by double digits. So besides the Packers, believe it or not, very, 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 very small sample size, but home dogs one and two when those teams have just had one loss. And it's surprising, but we've touched on how Philly has gotten fortune. I believe they've recovered five fumbles in their last three games. Maybe you expect team to recover half of those fumbles, especially when I believe over half of them came on their end and they got fortunate that the ball bounced their way. So like you said, Josh Allen, heck of a performance. If Gabe Davis and him are on the same page on their final possession, their final offensive play, they probably win the game outright and score a touchdown. Heck of a game, but Buffalo should have won that game outright for sure. But I do want you to share, by the way, what number did you get on the San Francisco 49ers on the look ahead?
1: Yeah, I got plus 110. Uh, I think you could have even honestly done better than that. But uh, yeah, I just think the 49ers are clearly a better team than the Eagles. And this is just my PSA, not only to the world, but calling out some of our colleagues, guys. The Eagles aren't the number one power rating team, okay? They should have just lost their last two games. They're home underdogs. They are home underdogs. Think about that right now. They are home underdogs. The 49ers, I think, are clearly the best team right now. I don't think they're, you know, going to... I'm not saying that, like, they're unbeatable or anything, but, and you know, I'm going to feel fine if the Chiefs play them they they are favored over the eagles on the road guys this is a better team than philadelphia so uh fix your power rankings i don't i i dropped the eagles after last week okay they should have just lost two games in a row they got very fortunate i put dallas ahead of them man i mean dallas is playing very well and arguably should have already beaten the eagles once this year so uh yeah i i i think dallas is just playing better than philly uh they're like breaking even on yards per play on the season. I mean, none of the metrics are really all that impressed with the Eagles. I think some things are maybe missing. You miss some things about the Eagles when you just look at things like that because they don't care if they they miss a, a third or fourth down, or I mean a second and long or whatever, uh, whatever it may be. When when they can get to short yardage, they just feel like it's an automatic conversion. So. I think some metrics are punishing them for that probably, but yeah, th- this Eagles team is very good, obviously, but they are not even close to being as far away from the pack as their record and not even as, not even away from the pack. I don't think like I, I you could tell me that this isn't a top five team and I don't think that would be like a crazy take to have like Miami, Baltimore, On their day, these teams might, might honestly be better than the Eagles, even the Bills. Like they, they just, I mean, they just walked into Philly and put 500 yards on them. So I know that the Eagles keep making winning plays and the Bills don't. And I I have the, to be clear, I have the Eagles ahead of the Bills, but they're not as impressive as their record, not even close.
0: Yeah. And with Philly's defense, you brought up how Josh Allen carved them up. The Eagles, allowing the uh, ranking 23rd in EPA per play allowed. That is a significant downgrade from last year's defense that was probably overrated considering the schedule to begin with. And these corners and the secondary in general, on the injury front, Lane Johnson could miss this game, which would be a big loss on the right side of the Eagles' offensive line, just with the fact that the 49ers upgrading their defensive front with Chase Young and how well they're playing of late. And, Generating pressure. So, definitely an injury to monitor. And by the way, just the notion, not calling anybody out on our team, but in the field, I guess, amongst sports bettors, saying that if the number gets too high, you automatically bet the other side. For me, I made this game, I make this game about San Francisco over two-ish, closer to two and a half. So... Just because it's two and a half and may close even three, it doesn't mean I'm betting the Eagles. That just means that the 49ers are unplayable. I think we, as sports bettors, get into a habit of not considering, and, and that's the value of making your own number, right, Mo? Because if you're not, and then you're just kind of blindly stating, even if you're not using a model per se, like a mathematical model, and you're just making your own number for a game. I know people that do that too. You're not giving yourself any sort of an edge or a barrier even because you could play either side and it may not be an edge no matter how you consider or, or no matter what you would make a given spread, right?
1: Yeah. In a situation like this, I, I think I definitely fell into that trap a couple of times. Actually last week, I tried fading some steam on a couple of games. Like I took the Cardinals I don't remember. Maybe there was a one or two other ones, but yeah, fading steam was not the way last week, but <laughs> you can just get caught like taking good numbers. And, and you know, I'm never going to sit here and tell you that's a bad thing because, you know, if you take a good number, you're probably going to do fine in the long run. But I think giving the market some credit in some spots is definitely important. And just, you know, knowing that you may be missing something that might be out there and knowing that maybe your number is off whatever it might be but just definitely always respect the market you know uh, you don't have to just think it's always right obviously otherwise it's no fun you're just going to sit on your hands and do nothing but just knowing that my numbers move for a reason you know and maybe they're wrong like obviously there's like the Saints got hammered last week you know and they Arguably should have won the game, but you know, this is built into their team. They stink in the red zone. So, uh, you, you know, that. I'm just saying just because you got a good number, if you're on the edge of the steam at the end of the week, I would say that's when you're in the most dangerous position relative to getting a good number is what I'm getting at, I guess.
0: Even if, and with that in mind, even if you've been getting a good number <laughs> with some of these deflated totals, you may not be feeling the same maybe sentiment that Moe's trying to preach. Not that you're incorrect by any means, but unders are 32 and three over the last 35 primetime games. So back to Seattle and Dallas. And to your point about the Cowboys, I actually have Dallas rated as the number one team in my power ratings. And maybe you disagree with that by a hair, but I still think at the very least, they're a top three team par ratings wise across the NFL. And I kind of had a lean towards the under, but this Seattle defense is also and has outperformed expectations to a degree. And we've seen what the Cowboys offense can do. Dak Prescott, not that he's playing for an MVP every single week, not that he's trying to put up MVP like numbers, whether it's dallas on the ground against a susceptible seattle rushing defense like we saw with the 49ers last week or this secondary outside of devon weatherspoon good luck to the seahawks and maybe a little bit of an edge towards the under maybe another prime time under well gets the team home. might be trying to get him some mvp number i mean they're like throwing Drump. the ball yeah. up
1: 30 points on guys and they're throwing to like CD Lamb. I was getting furious texts from my buddy facing Lamb a couple weeks ago in fantasy. Like he was still <laughs> getting catches in the fourth quarter when they were up huge. Like maybe they are trying to inflate dax numbers. I don't
0: know. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is this could also be a Tony Pollard game potentially. I believe he finally scored over the last couple of weeks in both of their previous two games after not finding the end zone since week one before that. But we digress about primetime games. I probably wouldn't guess that this game is going to be any more entertaining than the Bears-Vikings, even though that was a miserable watch on Monday night. I cashed with Bears first half, put that one in the Discord channel, but not a fun game. I doubt this game is within a possession, unless Dallas, the only way that the Cowboys don't cover. And I'm not saying that I'm not trying to use the word lock or anything like that, but I make this game closer to 10. So I'm not betting the point spread. I have a slight, slight, slight lean towards Dallas. Nothing significant or at least enough of an edge to bet it. Maybe Dallas looks ahead to the Eagles game the following week. By the way, the look ahead for that game is Dallas minus one. I think that's the last number I saw. I don't typically bet look aheads, but... I think Dallas wins that game outright. So maybe the Cowboys kind of gear their attention to the Eagles rather than full focus on Seattle. But unless Seattle is able to run the ball efficiently and stay out of third and longs, I don't think Seattle's able to keep pace with this Cowboys offense regardless. So that's our take on Thursday Night Football. A little bit Eagles uh, in terms of their ensuing matchup with the 49ers and just collectively their 10 and one record and how we gauge Philly from a market rating standpoint, a little bit of that mixed in as well on to Arizona and Pittsburgh, the Steelers up from three and a half point favorites on the look ahead to five and a half total between 40 and a half and 41. What say you on this game, Mo? I like the Cardinals.
1: Um, I unfortunately bet the Cardinals had a good number last week. Once it was like getting up to three, whatever it was, maybe two and a half even money or something. I can't even remember what I grabbed, but, um, this one, the look ahead line was three, which I thought was fair. Um, and now you have the Steelers up to minus five and a half. I, Especially with the way they're going to play offense, it just seems pretty high to me. I I know they're going to come out and try to pound the rock, um, and it's probably going to work. Their run blocking has been very good uh, the last few weeks, and the Cardinals pretty much stink at stopping the run, so I'm guessing they're going to get some traction. But at the same time, you know that's going to shorten the game. It's not easy to win by margin when you're just sitting there running the ball. And I don't know if this Steelers secondary can really cover that well. I mean, the last few times I've watched them, they just have not been very impressive. Just basically got diced up by Jordan Love for a lot of that game. Um, a lot of open throwing lanes when they're just, they're just playing a very predictable zone coverage. Uh, and and the one thing they do very well on defense is get after the quarterback. We know that, but. You know, you do have a bit of an escape artist in Kyler Murray who can escape pressure at times. And what the Steelers just did, I know they just had their best game of the season on offense, but they were facing the Bengals. And this Bengals defense has been so bad this year, they might have a worse defense than the Cardinals. I mean, I think that maybe it's a good time to sell Pittsburgh coming off an actual decent offensive performance. It's curious because you have a situation where they just got rid of their offensive coordinator. But like I said, they faced a really bad defense. So how much of that is real and, and going to be sustainable going forward? They got a lot of mileage out of throwing to Pat Fryermuth, um, who returned, and was a player that I thought was helpful for their passing offense when, when they had him. You do have a Cardinals team that has gotten killed by tight ends in years past, but this year is doing quite a bit better, so... I don't know. I I do also wonder about this total. It it seems pretty low to me since I don't have a ton of confidence in these defenses really to get a lot of stops. But could be some rain here as well. So keep an eye out for that. But yeah, 41. I kind of feel like this could be a little more high scoring than that. But I do like the Cardinals at this. What I think is a pretty inflated number. Dude, the Steelers just aren't that good. Like, I haven't been high on the Cardinals at all this year ever pretty much, but the Steelers are just not that good of a team that I I just don't see them laying points like this with what's been one of the worst performing passing offenses in the NFL. I know we say this every
0: week, but this week was truly the toughest week for me looking initially to make any bets. And I have one back coming up here in a bit, but I agreed with you on the surface, Arizona, Or nothing. I make this closer to six. So it's not that far off of the current point spread. I certainly agree with you on the total. Maybe that, I don't know if that necessarily favors Arizona, but the Cardinals defense is, to me, is worse than the Bengals allowing the third most dropback EPA, the highest dropback success rate across the NFL. And I know that Kenny Pickett, it's a one game sample. Steelers putting up their highest offensive yardage output in their last 59 games and it came in the first game with Matt Canada out against a bad defense but you're going up against another terrible defense arguably a worse defense with Jonathan Gannon who got crucified last year at least in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and probably rightfully so and listen Kenny Pickett Able to use the field much more than he was. At least that seems like it's a Matt Canada thing, not a Kenny Pickett thing, especially with Fryermouth over the middle, as you touched on. And Arizona, or actually Pickett last week, looking at week 12 quarterbacks, qualified quarterbacks, fifth best EPA per dropback, plus completion percentage over expected. So yes. The Steelers have outperformed expectations by a wide margin. A negative point differential with a 7-4 record is absurd. But I don't think this is the game to fade them. I don't blame you for doing so, but I don't know if I can get behind it. As I think this may be another decent spot here for the Steelers offense. Sounds like we're going to have to martingale the next week then. Yeah. Uh, Or in the near future. Playoffs for sure. But... I don't know. This schedule is so light for the Steelers. They have Indianapolis, I think got a short week, or the Patriots on a short week after that. So you're either getting Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. I'm not sure that matters, especially after what we've seen over their last couple games from a quarterback perspective. Then they go to Indianapolis, so maybe that's the spot. We'll see. Depending on the point spread, obviously, the market, yada, yada, yada. The Bengals at home, that's probably the game I have circled. Or at Seattle the following week. And then Baltimore. So, probably one of their final three games. I don't know if this is it for me. But are you for sure? I, I know you got down a little bit last week, like you said on the look ahead. But is this for sure going to be a bet for you? Or a wait and see with the current number. Yeah, not for sure, Uh, but I am interested in the Cardinals. Speaking of bad quarterback play, Indianapolis at Tennessee. This line is up from Indy minus one on the look ahead to two. Not that it matters a ton, both dead numbers, but with two-point conversions and the increase in two-point conversion attempts, maybe a little bit more significant this year than in years past. But it is down to Indy minus one and a half at some shops. Total of 43, that's because at least in terms of the Spread movement. Jonathan Taylor could miss this game with a thumb injury. I grabbed Titans minus or plus two. You can find that in the Discord channel. Colts tied for the ninth highest rushing percentage across the NFL. So Taylor's absence you would think would be felt. I know Zach Moss had a good performance against the Titans in week four or week five. The last time these two teams played, which the Colts covered at home. But Tennessee didn't have its best run stopping Defensive lineman in tier tart. he returned back in week eight in Tennessee, allowing the eighth lowest rushing success rate across the league since that juncture. And then on the flip side, the Colts are without, still without, their best defensive lineman, at least from stopping the opposing run game in Grover Stewart, out with the PED suspension, and Indianapolis allowing the league's highest rushing success rate since that point, since that point in the season, since... Week eight. So both of those defensive numbers, whether it applies to Tennessee with Tart back in the lineup or the Colts without Stewart coming since week eight. And the Titans have the second slowest adjusted pace across the NFL. So it goes to the notion that you're going to be able to pound the rock with Henry. You're going to be able to wind clock. And Tennessee, when you think about the quarterback. Difference in terms of maybe value between Will Levis and Gardner Minshew. I kind of have a slight edge, the slightest of edges to Levis just because of Gardner Minshew's turnover worthy play rate. It's a little bit higher than Levis. I know it's a bigger sample size, but Minshew with the fourth highest turnover worthy play rate among qualified quarterbacks. Yes, the Colts have won three straight games over the Bucks, Patriots, and Panthers two opponents that the Titans have faced of late, but a six and five record with a plus one point differential, kind of like what we touched on with Seattle over the last few weeks, doesn't really make me flinch. So I bet Tennessee a plus two Mo. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah,
1: I would lean the same way. Um, Like you said, Jonathan Taylor looks like he might be out. He, especially with what the sort of mileage they've been getting out of their rushing attack the last few weeks like you said, Gardner Minshew has been playing some pretty dreadful football, to be honest. So, um, I think they kinda do need to run the ball. My biggest thing in this game is how bad Will Levis has been under pressure. Especially when you watch him, you can just see his footwork really falls apart. Uh just a lot of just like back foot, panicky, just toss the rock, rely on his arm strength type of stuff. Um and then you, you got him on the other side though. He's just, he's facing a Colts team that never blitzes. I think they're last in the NFL in blitz rate entering last weekend. And they just don't pressure the passer very much in general. They don't have a lot of good pass rushers, obviously. Um, so with the Titans stinky offensive line, Levis's issues with pressure is a major problem, but in this matchup, probably not as bad. Uh, so a decent spot, I think, for the Titans. I, I don't like this Colts team at all. I keep trying to fade them. It's not working. Um, I think <laughs> the Patriots definitely should have beaten them. They're just, to me, they don't have a good team. They're getting by on coaching. I mean, hats off to Steichen. He's doing amazing work. And They're basically getting by on coaching, and, and the opposition just basically handing them wins. I mean, Baker Mayfield had one of the worst interceptions I've seen this season. I mean, I've been saying Baker Mayfield is playing underrated ball, and I still think so. He overall had a pretty decent game, but that interception was about as bad as it gets. So I think the Colts are just one of the biggest paper Tigers out there. I cannot believe they have six wins with this team. Like I said, great coaching, but not impressed by them. And I wonder about this under two, man. I mean, the total is kind of high by 2023 standards. I mean, 43 You got both teams that just love to run the ball. I'm not too sure how much success they're going to have. I mean, Derrick Henry. Yeah. He's still a solid back, but he's not ripping off 70 yard touchdowns like he used to. And then obviously, like we said, no Jonathan Taylor, two unreliable passers with really not great collections of weapons. I mean, I know Pittman and Josh Downs are fine, but it's like outside of that, there's nothing else there. I also think like these Titans home road splits. Are pretty crazy because they've won all four games at home. I think they're probably legitimate. When you have a young, bad quarterback who's pretty clueless out there and just trying to learn the ropes, basically of um, you know professional football, these are the players who most benefit from playing at home. So, I like uh, I like betting the Titans at home a lot more than on the road. I think I wasn't really too sure why they were only minus three and a half last week kind of kicking myself for not firing that since I'm I thought that should have been quite a bit higher, maybe like more like minus five, but it just sucks Lane three and a half when the team's offense is so bad. It's it's just really tough to, to pull the trigger on, but yeah, I would definitely lean tie-ins. Definitely think if you have a good out for teasers, it's a good teaser leg, so uh, might fire the
0: under in this one as well. And you look at the last time these two teams played in week five Colts out gaining Tennessee by a yard per play. Anthony Richardson knocked out of that game in the first half and Minshew came in. Remember Titans down one in the turnover department, both teams really struggled in the red zone, but that's kind of on par with the rest of the NFL. Hello, LA chargers, but they kind of got jawed by the refs, man. Just on that note, officiating continues to baffle me across the NFL, Rob Pizzola, Pro better, I know decently well. He has a not famous quote, but I think he likes to tweet or I don't know what the verb of X is these days. But he says, regardless, on on the well-known social media platform, we actually wager real money or real dollars on this league. It's more so truthful than ever this season. I can't believe... The officiating we're seeing, whether it was the personal foul that probably should have been called on the Chargers first possession against the Ravens. No, that's not me saying that because I bet L.A. on the money line. Yeah, two incredibly obvious 15-yard flags missed in like the first 10 minutes. I mean, yeah. And then last night, I mean, maybe we missed it. I think it was Brisker that took off his helmet because it was notched loose, but... And then maybe he was kind of bitching to the refs after that. And that wasn't shown on screen. Easily could have been the case. But Fields got popped in the helmet. No personal foul. Man, Justin Fields continues to look like one of the worst quarterbacks when it comes to reading a defense. Officiating in the NFL. Good luck batting the NFL, even if you have the right side. Because these officials could easily take Buddy right out of your pocket, right? Yeah,
1: Houston versus Jacksonville, one of the most infuriating watches of the year for me. I I had Houston. Oh, my God, man. I mean, it was just like uh, they're just running in step with the receivers and and just flags flying. I mean, these guys just wanted to be the star of the show, I guess. I I don't know if the league called out to the refs begging for offense or what's going on there. But that was an embarrassing performance by Clay Martin and his crew.
0: As I like to say, it is Roger Goodell's world. We're unfortunately... I actually didn't say unfortunately before, but now we will. We're unfortunately just living in it. But final game we're going to discuss, most Sunday night football didn't look like an appealing game at least a few weeks ago, but Green Bay has gotten back into the thick of it in a wide-open NFC wildcard race. Kansas City, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite, down from seven on Sunday night when this line initially opened up. Total of 42 Jordan Love has diced up the opposition of late, but now he's going up against a much more stellar defense, as you know very well. So any side or total play or potential plays for you in this one?
1: I'm definitely interested in the Packers in this spot. Uh will be in attendance, so oh, very wow. excited.
0: Where was the invite?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I'm still trying to get my feet under me and make sure I'm going to be in this game. We don't even have tickets yet, but oh. very uh, much so planning to be there. And I've looked at the weather going to be cold, going to be luck. possibly snowy, oh just my God. the way I want it to be in Lambeau. Wouldn't be the same if it wasn't. So very excited for this night game. Terrible. Um, but take. no, this is going to be great. But uh, <laughs> I, I, Thought the Chiefs being minus seven was pretty rich on the look ahead. Another one that I'm a little disappointed I didn't hit, but I still think 6.5 is too high. Um, just you got a home game at night in cold weather with extra rest and a low total here. And you got a Green Bay offense that has been playing legitimately solid football. I mean, basically, I just keep saying this every week, I feel like, because I keep betting Green Bay, but. Since this offensive line got healthy, they look completely different. Specifically, Jordan Love looks completely different. I've talked about before on this show how dreadful he's been under pressure this year. But that was when they had just clowns, backups on the left side of the offensive line. I mean, now that they're healthy, as long as they keep protecting Jordan Love, I think he can be productive. But at the same time, you do have a Kansas City team that brings more pressure than almost anybody. I mean... That's basically the matchup of this game, I think, is just it just comes down to Kansas City's front and blitz packages. You know, Steve Spagnolo is going to have the most creative stuff and just, you know, bringing Trent McDuffie off the edge. He's going to be mixing mixing it up for a young quarterback to try to confuse him. And, and, and he did a great job last time these two teams played. I mean, they played in Kansas City a couple of seasons ago, I think. And Jordan Love just looked completely lost. So this is going to be a big test for Love. I mean, he had no idea what he was looking at. And in fairness, that was against a Super Bowl contender in, in pretty bad weather, if I remember right. It was pretty windy in KC in that game. But yeah, this will really be a test for how he does under pressure, how far he's came the last couple of years. This Green Bay offensive line is playing great. So I am very excited to see how that matchup plays out. Other thing is we know this Green Bay's secondary has been a weak point at times, especially just the talent level of the team with Jair out. Probably get I, it back this week. I keep thinking he's coming back, but he keeps not playing. So we'll see what happens there. But, um, on that, on that note, you have a Chiefs receiving core that's trying to find its footing with Rashi Rice. Finally listened to Mo over here pounding the table for two months. Stop throwing to these losers and start throwing to Rasheed. He's the future and the present. He I know people are gonna think this is ridiculous. He might be better than Travis Kelsey right now. Like, Kelsey is on his last legs, man. I mean, he needs to be at best co number one option with Rasheed, who I think my buddy told me leads the league in yards after catch. This guy is doing it and he needs to be a part of the passing game if the Chiefs want to do anything this year. But, man, this line is saying the Chiefs should the Chiefs should be double-digit favorites at home. I, I don't know if I can get behind that, man. I have the Packers ranked in like the top half of the league in my power rankings this week. I mean, I know there's a massive drop-off after like number 10 where the Houston Texans are a pretty solid team. And basically everyone else, you can practically throw a dart at the board after that point. But... I think the Packers are playing solid football since their offensive line got healthy, and
0: and this is, I think, still like a point too high for me. And I think uh, I wasn't five and a half on the look ahead, but maybe it opened soft opener at five and a half and got quickly bet up to six. Either way, there's going to be a ton of parlay liability and money line parlays and teasers on Kansas City for this game. So I'm not sure. Not that it matters in terms of handle or anything like that, but it will be lopsided in Kansas city's direction, at least when it comes to winning the game outright. But I still don't know if there's a ton of value on green Bay, just from the number, not that I'm looking to bet this game. So I say that with a grain of salt, but love fifth highest dropback EPA plus completion percentage over expected in his last four games. Those four came against the Ram Steelers chargers, and Lions, Kansas City is easily his toughest test. And this is still a meaningful game for the Chiefs. I know the Packers are maybe not in a must-win spot, but it's a meaningful game for them for sure, trying to slide into one of those playoff spots, one of those wild card spots in the NFC playoff picture. But Kansas City's still fighting for the number one overall seed in the AFC playoff standings. And Green Bay has gotten their fair share of positive variants, especially when you go back to last week against the Lions. Over the last two weeks, plus four in turnover differential. And they also had the highest win probability added in week 11 against the Chargers because of all those drops. So will that continue because they didn't get their Fisher or they got a lot of negative variants before week 11? Maybe, but I would probably need above seven to bet the Packers. Maybe I'll try to bet this game alive. And see how Love looks against a legitimate defense, but I don't think I'm going to be able to bet this pregame.
1: Yeah, this is probably a good game to bet live. I mean, just see how the Packers are handling the early blitz packages that Spags throws at them. I mean, that's, I really think that's what this game is going to come down to because Jordan Love is playing very well when he is protected, which, you know, you could say that about a lot of quarterbacks for sure, but he has top tier or maybe second tier arm talent like not too many guys have a better arm than jordan love so where other quarterbacks might if they get a pocket have some trouble fitting the ball into certain windows or not be able to get the ball downfield like he can definitely do that so he's doing more damage than others i think when he has the pockets and i just think uh he's he's really showing why some people and and i know there was like a lot of people who panned that pick rightfully so with where the packers were at in the competitive cycle but he is showing why some draft nicks and and what what have you may have believed in him like he is a very talented player so if he the light comes on all the way upstairs and the packers get the right players around him i think that this is fairly promising to be honest, after a
0: really dreadful start to this. I, the Packers were like two and five. Yeah, and injuries definitely didn't help like you hit on. And defense is going to be not only healthier in the secondary, but they should be getting Devondre Campbell back, their best run-stopping linebacker. I thought they would miss him more than they did. And that was also because the Lions had to deal with a negative game script, essentially from the get-go, not that you're in pass-first in a pass first situation when you're down seven zip, but that game quickly unraveled for Detroit and probably should have at least kept the game within a possession. Obviously failed in plus territory a bunch. I don't know. Yeah, I just with this number, I I would probably need seven or better to bet the Packers. I don't think I could bet this at six and a half. I agree with you on love though, and this is a huge test. So maybe if you follow us and check us out on Axe Twitter or head over to the Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner to see if we end up betting anything live on the Packers, or Chiefs for that matter. And that'll also be dependent on whether Mo gets any cell service in Green Bay if he actually goes to the game at Lambeau Field. But whether it's Discord, watching us on YouTube, or listening to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find a favorite podcast, you can also... Join our free contest, play.thelines.com. We are giving away Amazon gift cards on the daily, whether it comes to the NFL or NBA, college basketball, whatever it may be. Play.thelines.com for free NFL Week 13 contests. And you can also get a BetMGM bonus code for up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. That's promo code, the lines, one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first wager fails to cash. Terms and conditions, as always, apply. Mo, any last words before we get out of here? Nothing, other than look for me on the broadcast. I'll be the guy wearing Chiefs stuff. So you're going to be betting the Packers and wearing Chiefs gear? Probably. Okay. So Chiefs outright, Packers within six is Chiefs by three one
1: time, yeah.
0: There you go. Just rooting for Jordan Love to have a good performance and Kansas City getting by by the skin of its teeth. Well, I hope that doesn't happen because I have Ravens future. So even though Baltimore definitely looked vulnerable against the Chargers and definitely should have won that game by more than a possession, considering all the positive variants they got with turnovers, I'm not as high in the Ravens after that game, but they are getting a bye. So hopefully they get healthier and hopefully the Ravens get the one seed.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't be too excited about your Ravens, but I know it's good by the numbers. But it, and they were very good, but just the offense looks pi- really good. Injuries piling up at late in the season, and it's guys who are important and not coming back unless they get very far in the playoffs, like Mark Andrews. I don't know. I, I wouldn't feel too great about the Ravens. I, I feel like the Chiefs should definitely get the one seed. I'd be surprised if they're not. But even if they don't, I'm not too worried about it. I mean. Last thing I'm worried about is Patrick Mahomes being on the road. So,
0: Okay. All right. We know who's going to be betting Mahomes as a dog if Kansas City is an underdog to the Baltimore Ravens. And we'll see if that winds up being the AFC championship game. Maybe Mo and I will have a friendly wager on it. Hopefully you cash your wagers in week 13. We'll be back with our best bets on the Thursday edition of Beat the Closing Number. Until then... Thanks for watching and listening. For Mo, I'm Eli Herskovich. Follow us on X, Twitter, at Mo and at Eli Herskovich. Follow the lines on Twitter, at the TheLinesUS. Thanks for watching and listening. So long, everybody.